0: back to the open side. Karim Bethe. Up it will the for who's quick. Pete Simon looking for Karim Bethe. Back to Simon.
1: Welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby. We are the people's podcast, providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. Match reviews, player interviews, quality rugby chat that is consistent and positive. We do it all for you, our dear listeners. I'm your host, Ando. With me is Mitch. And we also have Simo, a massive Western Force fan, been on the pod a few times. Simo, how are you, mate?
2: I'm very well, I'm very well. Uh, it's good to be back and talking rugby again. It's been on the news uh, a bit more lately for good reasons and bad reasons, as I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, but uh, I'm excited and ready to to talk rugby.
1: Mate, we're very happy to have you here. Mitch, are you well, my friend?
3: I am well, and I, I think last time we had Simon on the podcast, he had a, a clean shave, so um, it's mm. good to see he's he's back with a full head of hair, so... I don't know if that is um that previous one is a to previous Captain Nathan Sharp or um who he's gonna who are you styling tonight? James O'Connor? I want you uh, to style Jeremy um, Rushman. I guess maybe
2: uh I've got a mullet, so I guess uh I think Bailey kunzel has got a bit of a mullet, doesn't he? So yeah, you yeah,
0: know, investing that's in so the youth,
2: just trying to build up their uh their notoriety, that's all.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I can't ever support a, um, a mullet, so I'm really disappointed that we've actually let you onto the podcast. You snuck <laughs> that one through. But either way, ladies whoa, whoa, and gentlemen, whoa, whoa. what an it's, it's
2: on the front. It's fine. That's true. We can't actually see unless
1: you turn it's sideways. So face forward, yeah. please. Face forward. Um, ladies and gentlemen, why don't I quickly run through what is happening within this pod. So this is actually our second podcast for the week within our Western Force preview. Mitch was able to catch up with Isaac Rodder, and that was released on Monday. So hopefully you've got your ear holes around that and been able to hear some of his chat about um, how he's doing, some of his thoughts on his time with the Queensland Reds and the departure there, which was fairly acrimonious at the time, as well as his Mm. hopes uh, looking forward for the Western Force. Um, So... Just wanted to say that in terms of what we're going to be covering tonight mitch has a trivia segment ready for us and not only are we doing the much vaunted and much promised bit of trivia but we also have an aussie aussies abroad segment which will be coming up soon um that involves Lockie from scrumbags and we'll be talking through very briefly um some of the involvement and good moments from australians across men and women's rugby around the globe and then the main The main course, if you will, for tonight will be the Western Force Preview. Now, there's a lot to get through, but we really can't go any further without touching on the Eddie update, the Eddie Jones announcement of him being the new Wallabies coach. We've already done a special emergency pod on it. We don't need to go through it in a huge amount of detail, but Simo, just really, really quickly, mate, what do you make of Eddie Jones's announcement um, and the, the changes that have happened at the top of the
2: Wallabies coaching ladder? Um, I mean, I guess currently we don't really know what a lot of the changes are. Um, I think he's gone on the record saying that when he comes in, you know, he's going to be talking to people who are had time in the seat already and just figure out if they do want to continue under him. Um, he is known not to be the easiest person to work with at times. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just loving him already taking shots at NRL and having a bit <laughs> of banter, which, uh, you know, I think is, is good for rugby.
1: Maybe Peter Flanders needs to get out of the TAB. I really enjoyed that chat. Oh, and yeah. not being able to remember yeah. his name and calling him, oh, um, yeah, that horse guy. That horse, horse guy. <laughs> 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 oh, God, Eddie. Um, don't change, mate. Don't change. Uh now, there are a couple of thoughts which um Eddie has given in a 30-minute interview to um some Australian rugby journos. And that were around or that those thoughts touched on many different areas, but the points I wanted to start with were his thoughts around number 10. Um he did explain why he'd referenced Ben Donaldson and tain Edmed so carefully or so precisely when talking or when asked previously about upcoming number 10s. And he clearly said it's because he'd seen them play in person when he was in town for the England tour. Um, so that was part of it. But he also said that the really at this point in time, the Wallaby number 10 for the World Cup will be the player who has both a combination of experience and maybe level headedness and the best form going into the world cup so that was an interesting uh statement mitch what did you make of that
3: yeah look uh when it first sort of came out we were sort of wondering whether that meant that he had a, a new south wales bias which you know being born and bred, he can't go yep. you can't forgive the man like it makes sense we we create the best rugby players in this state. We don't really need to look abroad Just farm them uh, out too to the, widely. But... People as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, that makes, there there was a lot of talk, which took in our group chat around or on our Discord server. There's a little plug there. If you're not involved, get involved because it's a good little bit of fun. Uh, but there was a lot of chat there whether that meant or what that meant for Noel Alessio. So it was good to see that he did uh, kind of, follow up on those claims and say oh, the only reason i spoke about those guys is because i have seen them play which doesn't mean that noah's not on the sheet anymore um which would for his development be horrible to think that had he been sort of so badly handled with dave rennie and then eddie jones comes in and looks at a completely new set of number tens and overlooks noah and who knows where that leaves him in australian <laughs> rugby so uh it weeds him out of australian rugby mate well not not forever i mean look at Quade cooper you never say never in this game, so who knows? But um, for the immediacy, immediate future, at, at least, it, it there were questions there, but I think it means that he really is looking to see who puts their hand up in this Super Rugby season and um, really wants to see the player step up and sort of put in a performance that says, pick me for that Wallabies position.
1: Yeah, interestingly, he did mention that um, James O'Connor, he sees him more as a utility backline player rather than a straight 10 uh, when when he was followed up with about why he hadn't mentioned uh, Jock around that fly half position. But moving to the captaincy, uh, Simo, when Eddie was asked about who he thought would be the captain, he mentioned that he needed to um, speak with the players, see where Hoops' head was at, um and just talk with the senior leadership group and once he'd actually maybe got them into a camp that he was running he'd be able to make that decision a little bit clearer if you had to use a crystal ball and predict the future who are you picking as the likely candidates for the world captaincy under eddie jones
2: um
3: <clears throat>
2: that's kind of quite difficult to really say i mean as eddie said um every captain and coach duo is quite unique and him coming in is a uh, you know coach this close to the World Cup, he needs to find the captain that's gonna be able to compliment him as a coach the best so um I mean obviously, you know Michael Hooper has been made the world' captain by what three or four coaches in a row now, or something like that, so you know if Eddie does it, maybe all the naysayers can can finally shut up cause, uh <laughs> we finally got another person coming in and putting him as captain, but honestly I guess it really depends on where his head's at um. You know, it becomes difficult with the senior members being Slipper and Alatoa who are obviously, you know, not going to be on the pitch for the entire 80 minutes. So it does, you know, raise some questions. Um, I think, you know, when he joined England, he just threw someone in that no one was expecting. So Dylan Hart, I can't yeah. personally predict. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I personally can't predict right now where it's going to go, but uh, it's always fun. When it comes to Eddie Jones, so we'll see what happens.
3: Well, this is this is a bit of a Western Force flavoured podcast. So I, I personally wouldn't be too surprised to see him name someone like Isaac Rodder. Um oh, who is you know. a, a new name in terms of leadership for the Wallabies, hasn't hasn't had as many caps under Dave Rennie as we probably would have liked to see him play through injury or not selection, those sorts of things. But um if he was going to go to someone who's outside of the squad who brings in a new sort of flavour than what the Wallabies are used to. Isaac Rod is probably the perfect player who sort of puts his hand up.
1: Yeah, he's an 80-minute player as well, so it wouldn't surprise me if that is in his favour, having a captain on for the whole time. But let's keep on moving forward. I'm sure there'll be more stuff to talk about with Eddie in the coming weeks anyway. Um, There was really, really difficult news to hear about the charges that have been levelled against Kurtley Beale for um, and... Well, I guess we'll just say, I mean, we are a family-friendly podcast, but at the same time, this is a real element of what's happened to a player within Australian rugby circles. So for um, accusations of sexual assault, which have been committed, supposedly mm-hmm. or accused to have been committed by Kurtley Beale, So he has been arrested. He was initially granted bail. Um, he's since then been released with the hearing set in, was it February or
3: March off the top of my head? March, 22nd of March, I think is the date that of March. he goes back okay. in front of the court.
1: Yeah okay, um, so with all that being said, I mean the and I guess the firstly, follow up to that
3: too is that rugby, yep. is, I say, rugby Australia hasn't uh, has acted quickly on this, which was good to see. We weren't being reactionary for once, which was good. Uh, but they've come out and made a statement. That says that Kirtley Bill has been stood down effective immediately from both New South Wales Waratahs and Rugby Australia, all mm-hmm. commitments until the end of the proceedings. So. Wet that leaves at the moment, I think that basically rules him out of Super Rugby this year because, I mean, if we're he's not fronting the courts until March, and then if that gets adjourned again, we may not know an outcome of this case until much later in the year. Um, so I would, wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Curly for the rest of the year. Wouldn't be surprised. Simo, your
1: two cents on this?
2: Uh, obviously, it's just, you know, a horrible thing. And there's uh, the human aspect of uh, obviously the young woman uh who was involved um and Curly's you know newly born child and his new wife and everything so i just hope that the truth comes out and justice prevails um until then we can't really make any judgment until we know um more details and and everything gets unpacked a bit more but obviously you know thoughts go out to uh the family
1: and um
2: the the victim
1: yeah and i mean there's the the truth the reality is we always need to be aware that somebody is innocent till proven guilty, and fair enough. But if let's assume that something untoward has happened, which has been enough for these charges to be labelled. Um sometimes I think in rugby union circles we can at times take a bit of a moral high ground over other sports, particularly rugby league, um, with some of the off field indiscretions that um players get up to. But what this really does so, I mean, is Simon, do you know what rugby home. league
3: is? You don't they don't have that over there in the West.
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's that it's you that game it? that they made simple. Yeah, they simplified union, right? That's yeah, that's right? basically six tackles, nothing above six. Over. Honestly, because I I I grew up overseas and playing rugby, and I just thought rugby league was a was a training drill for union. Honestly, <laughs> um, back <laughs> to what
1: I was saying, though, what this does, what this does do, is it um, highlights the fact that there still is, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, even just within some of the chat that like my mates and stuff have a a strong streak that needs to be addressed about how women are treated in Australian society. And so Mm -hmm. if this all does come into a um, guilty judgment or some similar thing, I hope that particularly the Waratahs can have an opportunity to maybe promote um, things like the man cave AU or ways in which men can be addressing their own areas of need for self-improvement and self-growth particularly in the way in which they are engaging with and thinking about women but anyway i think that's enough kind of on that point mm-hmm. um basically yep. is there any other news that we needed to be chatting about prior to jumping into the trivia segment
3: uh we do have mm-hmm. the results from this the hamilton sevens over the weekend Go um a bit of a disappointing um result for both the men and the women uh the Aussie teams I'm just going off the top of my head here. I don't have it written down in front of me, but I believe the men finished fifth yep. um, and they yep. played Fiji in the fifth place playoff and the women finished third and they played um, actually, no, I think the men ended up playing, I think both men and women ended up playing Ireland for both the third and the fifth place spot. But uh, yeah, the men I think won their fifth place playoff and the women won theirs as well. But uh a disappointing weekend overall as, as we come in, coming in, this is the second leg of 2022, 20, 2020, yeah, 2022, 2023 season of the world series and um, being world champions last year for both the men and the women, we were probably hoping a little bit more. Again, this tournament, I think goes to show the fine, the minute mistakes can be so costly in this game. If you see the women um, in their quarterfinal Against America, the final play was a questionable call of knock-on. Um, it was which, just wrong. It was just wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Want, we don't want to come out here and say referees get things wrong, but um, it was a tough call and it was made in the decision. But um, yeah, disappointing for the women that they weren't able to get through to the final to play New Zealand. But yeah. uh, what is promising is that this coming weekend is the Sydney Sevens, so twenty uh, seventh to the twenty ninth in Sydney at the New Allianz Stadium. If you don't have your tickets and you are Sydney based, do get them because it's going to be fantastic um, atmosphere across the three days. So uh, do do make an effort to get there. We'll be get involved. Um, And it will be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing both. There's
1: going to be a few fans there. So we're going to meet up and have a bit of a a couple of beers, a bit of a feed as well at the game. Yeah, and
3: it's going to be a good chance. It's been a while since we've seen both the Aussie men's and women's team play on Australian soil with fans being able to attend and sort of cheer them along. So if not, uh to forget last week this weekend's results and just look at uh this coming weekend's results, but also an opportunity to cheer for them and to sort of show your appreciation for the amazing season that was twenty twenty two yeah without a doubt um okay, let's move on, my friends. Let's
1: get into the trivia,
3: and I'm handing this over to you, Mitch. Well, we're not actually doing trivia, so this is one of our fun uh segments oh, that we've, we've we we've got for the podcast this year. I'm calling this one name that x v or name that fifteen so What i'm doing is this is our western force preview this is um a little bit fun hopefully you guys are able to answer this question but what we have to do is name as many players as you can from the first ever western force starting 15. so (laughs) their their first game simon do you know who the first what the when the first game the western force played who it was and when you know, off the top of your head, I, I,
2: I was there, um, but I think I was like twelve years old, so uh, a while ago. Um, it was no, I can't, I can't tell you. Sorry, two
3: thousand and six against the Brumbies, first, uh, first game at Subiaco Oval uh, in uh, against, yeah, against the Brumbies, uh, first ever game for the Western Force. Now. Are either of you able to name more than two or three players from this starting 15? Is that too hard?
2: Oh, uh, we well, would have Nathan Sharp, um, who was the captain. Yeah. He, I believe Cameron Shepherd was playing 15 at the time. Um,
3: Ooh.
2: Oh, no, not right. Or was no, he on the wing? He
3: wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he actually wasn't in the 15. So I don't know it, it, uh, if he okay. was in the 23 at that point or not, but he wasn't in the 15.
2: Okay, that must be a little bit later. Well, Matt Gitter, 10?
3: Um, no, actually, Matt Gitter was playing for the Brumbies in that game.
2: Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. see, my memory's not that good then.
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't.
3: I guess I can't name that many. Ando? Um, Anyone? Matt Hodgman? Western Force fans are just screaming at us over the... Yeah. into their uh, podcast apps. Yes, Matt Hodgson yeah. played
1: seven. Yeah, good. Get in. Come on, that's one. Thank you. Um, All right.
3: This seems Kieran like Longo, it's really was, was was ages. a task too hard for both of you, so I'll make it easier. Let's go to the reintroduction of Super Rugby. Name that oh, okay. 15. How many players can you name from the 2020 game against the Waratahs in their first game back in Super Rugby, technically Super Rugby AU? Yeah, okay, cool. Um all right. Now, did they still have Cabelli
1: at nine at this point? No, that's the prior. No, I believe it's prior. Um, prior is what I meant to say. It would have been prior. Um, yep. Prior at nine. Prior at nine. Then was Hooker Kato still? Well, not still, but at that point. He was, yes. Okay. Kieran Longbottom?
3: At. Prop. <laughs> One of which the props. Side? I can't
1: remember which side.
3: Uh, okay. Tiger, he was 50, three, 50, yep. 50. He was yeah, he was high head, yep.
1: Okay, cool. Um who would loose head prop have been then? Was that
3: Medrano? Uh no. okay. Okay. Robertson. No, he hadn't. Uh, It was Angus Angus Wagner. Angus Uh, Wagner. Yeah,
0: Yeah,
2: okay,
1: cool. Um okay, so that's the front row sorted. If we go into locks, Jeremy Thrush. Yep. Who else was a locking partner, uh, when they came back in?
3: Was it Sidelaki Tamani? No. No, Tomani hadn't played any
2: other thing for the Force.
3: Yeah, I don't think Tamani played for the Force until what, twenty twenty two or twenty. 20- Never, And, and he only played a couple
1: of games prior to the COVID requirements yep. that he wouldn't follow. Um, who's the other lock then? Come on, Force
3: fan, you should know this. Mate. You're gonna kick yourself. You're gonna actually Fergus Lee Warner. Yeah.
1: Fergus Lee Warner.
3: Yeah. Warner.
2: Oh. Yeah. Suck it, i How could to forget man. my boy
1: your boy um okay cool kane kateka uh six or seven uh no
2: okay brilliant standard at, at eight yes standard was eight standard was eight um who would their
1: flankers have been i'm assuming ollie Callan is too young for this because he's only come onto the scene in the last year or so. Jackson Pugh's two years. Yeah, he's probably. only just right. recently This is probably
3: dragging up. on a little bit, and um, it's probably getting a bit too boring for fans. So I'll give you a chance to name three more players that were within the final uh, position. So we've got 6, 7, and then uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So if you can name three players, I'll give you full marks.
2: Okay. Uh, you uh, go, I think Kahui was involved at that time, wasn't he? Uh, no. Oh, so he would have been on Not a if He wasn't starting. Um,
1: let's go with Godwin, Carl Godwin.
3: <laughs> no. This yeah, is...
1: Godwin wasn't
2: until the year after.
3: This is their, uh, first... This Remember, was, this is their first inclusion one. in Super Rugby. So this, like was the, global... this was the em- emergency pull together of players.
2: Yeah, because this was essentially the global rapid rugby team. Um, yeah, Iron
3: Ralston. Um. Byron Roston Mitchell. Uh, yes, fourteen. Yeah, he was playing fourteen. <gasps> so you've got Mag- one. McGregor playing fifteen at the time. He was. Yep, Jack McGregor fifteen. McGregor.
1: Yeah. Um. And on the and other who was way... on the other wing? So would that have been Pulu or did he not come? Oh, and if you don't oh, get
3: this, I'll be very disappointed. Uh, we interviewed him that year. So. Oh
1: god! Oh god! Who'd who we have interviewed we interviewed from
3: the Western Force?
1: We have interviewed Ian Pryor. Oh, oh. Um... No, he didn't.
3: Have we have we got in Brett? Yes. yes, I've interviewed. I don't think him we have.
1: Life. Yes, I have. Um, 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 number ten, number ten, number ten. I just uh, want to say I'm Lance, not a fan Lance. of the segment. Lance, um... <laughs> oh my god, I'm having such five, a mental blank. Four, three. Come on, what's your five half? Lance, Lance,
3: one. John O'Lance. Oh, yeah. oh, Lance, Jono yeah. Lance, that's it, yeah. Jono oh, Lance. Lance. Yep. All right. I just well, want to go on the record of- to
2: say that uh, I'm very hungover and I wasn't expecting to be testing my memory right this second. So I apologize to the Force fans that I'm not the best representative <laughs> for right this second, okay?
3: So well, I think some names of potential players out of that first ever Western Force team that is of note that you may not be aware of or that, you know, will be of note for you. Uh, we had Brendan Cannon at Hooker. Oh, course, uh, we had yeah. Scott Fava at number eight uh, and Digby in, in, uh on the wing. Oh my God. I forgot Digby played for the force. Yeah. So. How good. I'm sure there's how lots good. of force fans at home screaming at us saying, you know, this would have been so <laughs> easy. How could you not know this? But anyway, well, a little that, bit of fun. Genuinely is one of the things that I really, really rate
1: about um, the force um, fan base is how passionate they are. So please feel free to get in touch and tell us um, how quickly you were able to rattle through the 15 and whether or not you were able to even get the bench as well that would be incredible now what we're going to be doing is moving on to the preview of the western force mitch you'll be taking us through this for those of you who are listening on the podcast we also are putting up a bunch of a bunch of images to go alongside this so you can go onto youtube and search for Pick and Drive Rugby, and you'll be able to watch um, the images and the tables and the like that we have to support our talk now. But Mitch, I'll hand it over to you. as we mentioned at the start of the year, we were going to be bringing in some new segments and some new opportunities to hear more about rugby from around Australia. And for that, we have Lockie from Scrum Bags here with us. Lockie, how are you? Good boys. Nice to be here. How are we all? Very well. Thanks mate. Um, now, this segment is called all abroad and it is a wonderful opportunity in this current episode or this current uh, first edition of it to hear about the actions of australian rugby players both men and women across competitions throughout the world importantly though Lockie, you've got something pretty exciting that's just happened within your life in terms of rugby why don't you quickly run us through that and what it might mean for your coverage of the game within australia
0: Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Look, I've been really fortunate enough to jump on board with RA full time. So uh, in my previous work as a sports journalist, I had a little bit to do covering community rugby and it's started to pay off dividends. So I've jumped on board with them to cover community rugby in smaller states. So really finding stories across Northern Territory, South Australia and Tasmania. And really pushing that forward into mainstream media and trying to get a bit more coverage in areas that don't typically have a lot of rugby push uh, in the press. So I'm really excited that I've jumped on board doing that and obviously helps inform what I do for fun anyway, which is just read a lot about rugby
1: and put up many, many well-made social media posts about the Australians oh, performing all over me. the globe as well. Um, <laughs> mate, we have just lost Mitch, but we'll keep going with what we're doing anyway. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask, so you spoke about maybe covering areas of rugby from places in Australia that don't have as much media presence. Um, are you? So obviously I'm assuming you're not going to be doing much in New South Wales and Queensland. What states will you be working pretty closely with?
0: So, so by and large, it will just be Northern Territory, South Australia and Tassie. And the reason for that is because they don't have a massive um, media presence in those states. There isn't a professional team either. So there's not a lot of reason for there to be rugby staff on pushing media full time. But ahead of what's going to be a pretty big decade, and that's pushed both through RA channels and in your bigger Sydney papers, Queensland papers, things like that, there is a lot of rugby coming to Australia. And we want to try and highlight those grassroots areas that might not usually get the limelight that they probably deserve. So areas like um, the Coopers Premiership in Adelaide, where they've got a massive competition there, it's growing every year. And in the Northern Territory where they're currently playing, Tasmania, which is a growing area of footy as well. It's just about getting in and pushing those stories. And it's it's fun stuff to do anyway. It's stuff that I've done in the past as a journo and now I get the chance to specifically focus on community rugby which is super exciting because there's a million yarns to tell and every clubhouse and every old codger at the bar has a story that's worth sharing.
1: Well, mate, can't wait to hear those old Codger stories. Let's jump on into things with the Aussies abroad for the last week or so. Um, Just so everybody knows, at the time of recording, it is currently Sunday night. It is a little bit difficult for us to do the full kind of European Champions Cup um, matches because some of them are playing in about three or four hours. Uh, So there will be some comments um, and some matches that we can't cover in full detail yet. But that simply is what it is. So, Lucky, take it away, my friend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll look at Champions Cup to start with because it's what many people consider the club envy of rugby at the moment. It's something that we're really missing in the Southern Hemisphere, that big draw card for club footy outside your major seasons. And there are plenty of Aussies in the mix anyway. So at the moment, we've had a few teams qualifying through and I'll list out some names that might jog your memory that are playing in Europe at the moment. There's big names, Wallabies like Scotty Seo over at Exeter, um, mm-hmm. Solomona Carter is also there as well as old Brumby's teammate is over at the Chiefs now. Um, You've got Ben Tapawai, the 2011 Red Centre winner for the Premiership over there in Suncorp. He plays with the Sharks uh, out of Durban. So he's on the same team as Ebenet Smith, Sir Khaleesi, a bunch of absolutely mammoth Springboks, and he's really holding together that midfield at the moment, which is unreal. Playing inside Lucanio Arm. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that as far as the centre pairing is concerned. Ridiculous. Um, Looking over into Ireland, um, Leinster's stacked with most of the Irish team, but Sammy Carter, former Brumbies, former Wallaby Lock, he's been running the ship at Ulster. He's still going. He's in his mid-30s. He's a bit long in the tooth, but he is the number one defensive line-out operator uh, in the URC leading up to this point in the Champions Cup, and he's just been kicking goals. He's captained Ulster a few times as well, so it's really good to see him going. He's got them through to the round of um, 16 that they're currently in. Um, Edinburgh has a couple of, um, Edinburgh for the layman, (laughs) um, has a couple of uh, Aussies floating around in there. Um, But the main one to point out is a fellow called Nick Haining who plays in the back row for Scotland as well. But if you're a Force fan, you might remember him from, oh, I'd say 2016, maybe even earlier. And he was running around as a back row and second row there. Um, We've also got Big Willie Skelton over at uh, Mm -hmm. La Rochelle getting into the mix. Um, Richie Arnold, the twin brother of Rory Arnold, he's still trotting around at Toulouse, and they've made it through to the round of 16 as well. And we've got um, Ben Meehan, the halfback, Aussie halfback out of Gloucester, and they've made it through too. So plenty of people to keep an eye on. Um, a few of the favourites, Aussie favourites, might pick a few ears up here. Uh, out of Northampton, James Ram and the Northampton mm-hmm. guys, they just got kicked out, unfortunately. They've also got a couple of old Reds, Lucan Salakai Loto, and Angus Scott Young in their team. They just bounced out. And um, a favourite of yours, I reckon, and uh, Alex Newsome at Clermont. He's been doing really well at fullback, but unfortunately they just got bounced out in their final, um, their fourth round game of the championship. Yeah, saw from So lots Hugh of Aussies Tindle.
1: in action. I saw from Hugh Tindall on Twitter that uh, Nobby Newsome maybe didn't have his best game within that match, but I love the man anyway.
0: No, it wasn't his best. He's had some really good ones that probably won't go down as his best, but... Plenty to look forward to for the French top 14 season ahead as well. Um, and that puts us nicely into probably that sub-tier, uh, into the uh, oh, to that second level of the Champions Cup with the Challenger Cup. Thank you, which yeah. I won't get into. But it does point me to a man I'm really interested in talking about for Aussies Abroad. And he's a fellow called John Porch. So if you've ever been watching the Seven Circuit, or you watched that big period sort of after the Rio Olympics and Com Games and Gold Coast, John Porch was a mainstay on the Aussie Sevens team, and he is currently about two years away from going full Mac Hansen and qualifying for Irish residency and Irish mm-hmm. eligibility. Um, he's racked up 70 caps for Connacht now in the URC and across wow. their previous competitions, and the Irish media. Absolutely love him, plays fullback, plays wing, really versatile player, super fit, he's still standing about 100 kegs as well, so he's a big body, and there is a real possibility that come 2025 we are facing an Irish team with Mac Hansen on one wing and John Porch on the other.
1: That would be hard to bear. But at the same time, I mean, just touching on the Mac Hansen situation for a moment, it's not like he wasn't getting opportunities in Australian rugby and wasn't being given a contract here either. He's chosen to make that uh, path over there and use his mm. eligibility for Irish rugby and fair, fair play to him. Um, he wasn't able to break through with a Wallaby set-up, but good on him for the growth that he's made over there. It's pretty, pretty remarkable.
0: Oh, it is, absolutely. And, you know, hindsight is always 2020. So we could always laugh and talk about keeping these players. But at the end of the day, if they're going on and making it in Europe, it's fantastic to see. And I'm really, really glad for them. And they're not the only ones. It's not a man's game over there. And I've been keeping a real close eye on the Wallaroos. And some mm-hmm. of those Super W players have been kicking goals, um, especially over in the Allianz Premier 15s, which is the English um, semi-pro competition over there. And you're, I mean, you've you had a couple of on the show. You've had M Chancellor, who's now over there we with Quinns, with Arabella McKenzie and Caitlin Laney, um, mm-hmm. Exeter. They've got Laurie Kramer, McKenzie Leonard. And they've also got uh, Haley Durrara, who plays out in the Brumbies as well. So there's six currently running around. And unsurprisingly, Exeter are second on the ladder. And Quinn's a third, so the Aussies are putting in a really good shift. Oh, out good!
1: There. And um, Grace Hamilton also got a gift as gig as well, didn't she?
0: Yeah, she did. She's over at Montpellier now in the Elite Feminine Division One. Um, they're just about to have their. I think she's hopefully. And I didn't get confirmation of this, but they're playing in a couple of hours out in France. I didn't see a team list. I'm really hoping she's on it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'd send her a quick message and unfortunately, she's the only Aussie woman playing in France at the moment. So I hope she can carry the flag for us have a good crack on debut for Montpellier and um, get the most out of her five game stint over there. So he's hoping she makes a big impression.
1: He is hoping definitely, and it's a great opportunity to see the the women get to have an experience um, outside of Australian rugby, but also get more opportunity to play either within a professional or semi-professional setup because the Super W season, as good as it is to watch and to support, is so short that they don't get enough games of uh, high-quality rugby to really bring them up to the standard needed at the international level. So it's great for all of the players over there. And um, if you follow um, anyone like Kayla Leonard or... Um, Yeah, Arabella McKenzie or Laurie Kramer on Instagram. Their stories are funny. I think they're all the Aussies are just gravitating together and spending all their time together going and getting coffees with girls, um, going for walks, enjoying the English countryside in the gloom and weather that it has. Um, Great, great (laughs) banter, great stories, and glad to see them kind of soaking up the opportunities that they're getting over there.
0: Yeah, oh, what an experience as well. And the best thing about it as well is that we're at a stage where you can't just have your super W. You've also got these opportunities in Europe. You've got these opportunities over in New Zealand, which we'll touch on in a tick, but it puts the blowtorch back on Australian rugby to keep these women in the game. You're getting opportunities. You're getting a taste of the pro game. We need it here. It's mm-hmm. never been more important for us to get that mm-hmm. in Australia. And it leads me nicely into our two girls who are over in New Zealand at the moment. A friend of the pod, Sarah Naigama, she's over mm-hmm. there with the And so is Georgia Cormick, uh, the Rebel Scrum half. So we've just seen them do their media day. They're getting into training at the moment and I'm really keen. So we'll have to jump on the Matatu bandwagon and make sure we're cheering for them when Super Rugby Alpicky kicks off in, geez, just under a month.
1: Very exciting. So much good rugby coming up and so great to hear about the players that are lighting things up. Um, a couple of highlights from some of the player performances over the last week or two. Uh, go back and watch Ben Meehan's 50-22, or yeah, 50/22 um, attempt when he was playing recently. Who's he played for again? Ben Meehan is...
0: He plays for Gloucester.
1: Gloucester. Yep. Um, it is one of the best fifty twenty twos that you will ever see. So well into his own half and drills it, drills it up near the try line, opposition try line. Um, and Marika Korembete, I know we haven't mentioned him yet, but he's over in the top league or Japan League One, I should say, sorry, Japan League One. Um, mm-hmm. And he has produced one of the best wingers tries that you will ever see. St- um, picking the ball up from the ruck, r- bursting through into a gap and then doing an, Awesome flying touchdown in the corner with his whole body out of the field of play, and uh, wonderful, wow. wonderful try. So great to see him still. He's just up. he's
0: just a monster. He did it again this weekend. Um, the Wild Knights, Satima Wild Knights, had a game against Black Rams who've got a yep. couple of Aussies as well, like Isaac Lucas. But could just scores tries for fun. Did yep. it again, bumping off people, picks and drives. He is unstoppable at the moment, and unsurprisingly. Wild Nights with Marika and Robbie Dean still as coach. They are top of the table, 5-0. and o. So if you want a Japanese wow. team to support and support successfully, jump <laughs> on the Saitama bandwagon. Um, the other one that there's a lot of interest in, um, there's heaps and heaps of Japanese players. If you want to have a look at the main Wallabies that are over there, please go check out um, Scrum Bags. It's pinned and have a look at everyone that's down there. But Kintetsu Liners with Wilgenia and Quade Cooper when he's playing and not injured, um, this is their first year in the top division and they are mm. in struggle straight at the moment so they're really? none and four um they've had a real tough start to the season um will are doing his best he had a great battle against fafta clerk against yep, the candles um so there's brilliant halfbacks running around but um unfortunately they're really struggling uh bernard foley however is doing terrifically um he's doing what he does best and just kicking goals kicking goals he's got the spears up to second they're undefeated as well They've only had the, I think, three wins and a draw. So they're doing very well to the start of the season. Um, And just plenty more to come. I love watching Japanese rugby. And it's a real shame that it's not on stand at the moment.
1: Well, how good, mate. I think we'll finish things up there. That was a very comprehensive overview of the Aussies abroad. Thank you for the first installation of what will be a semi regular part of the podcast. So thanks again for your time, mate. And can't wait to see the yarns and the stories that will come out of your new role at RA covering Australian rugby all across the states where more of a voice is needed. Thank you.
0: Mate, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much and keen to catch up for a beer at the sevens. Key, okay, mate. Catch you there. Bye.
3: Fantastic. So this is, as we said at the start, and if you um, haven't read the title of the podcast, we are talking about the Western Force today. Um, so let's start off with sort of a recap of the 2022 season. Okay. So the Western Force finished in ninth place. They got four wins and 10 losses in uh, 2022. Overall, a bit of a mixed season. Simon, I'll throw to you first. What were your sort of initial, I guess, uh, how would you score the performance of the Western Force from
0: 2022?
2: Um, I don't know. It's been a tough one. Though Obviously, we just went through the team for their first year back in Super Rugby. And every year it's kind of felt similar, a bit of uh slap together and, and a band-aid to kind of keep everything going. So you know, I'd probably oh, maybe six. Six out of ten, Five, five yep. or six. Uh we beat a Kiwi team, which I'm which I'm happy with. We we nearly made the finals. Um and you know, we don't really have any wallabies um in the side. So yeah, I'd probably say maybe a 6 out of 10. Uh we're building some young talent coming through, which has been really good to see. Um
3: Yeah. And I think and we will sort of talk about it in a little bit as we uh get on into our review and our preview for 2023, but I think overall uh if had the Western Force been able to pick up a few of the wins earlier in the season when we were playing mm-hmm. just the Australian sides and we didn't have that crossover, they made or might have been able to sort of scrape into 8th place. Um they did finish on the same points on terms of table uh, for win points as the Highlanders, who did finish eighth above them, and they did scrape into the playoffs uh, from a better for and against. So it it would have come down to just a few games had they been able to get across the line that they might have um, actually been able to scrape in. So, uh, Ando, what were the key games that you sort of think of when you think of Western Force in 2022? Look, I think the first and the last game. Um, it, it's fairly
1: simple The first game against the Brumbies Was an absolutely pulsating match And the Brumbies played re- The force played really, really well Taking the points on offer Ian Pryor had his kicking boots on For a large part of the start of the season at least um, And they really ran the Brumbies close They're actually winning 23-22 to 22 In the last uh, three minutes of the game But yeah, unfortunately for them There was a last minute try to Lockie Wanigan yeah 77 so lucky one again scored a try in like the 79th minute and then the conversion made it 29 23. but what it showed is the um doggedness of the force particularly within their forward game and their ability to I don't mean this in a bad way, but to negate the other Aussie teams trying to play the style of game that they wanted to play. Um, But they just weren't able to keep up with, particularly the New Zealand teams. They got blown out of the water. So their final game against the Hurricanes, um, final match of the season, ended up winning 27-22. And that was just huge because it was a swan song for a large number of Long time Brumby uh, force players, and so it was just great for them to have that opportunity to farewell them and help them go off on a winning note. Players who'd given so much to the club, like uh Richard Kahui, um, Ferguson, who had already left, Jeremy Thrush, Andrew Reddy, Greg Holmes, etc., saying goodbye to them. Yeah, look, we'll get we do have a list
3: coming line. up next of, of ins and outs, so you don't have to run through the whole list. And I will I give you a warning there, Andrew, if you say okay. Brumbies. If you uh, say Brumby's once more on this pod, I will remove you from the stream. So just a warning there, mate. <laughs> cool um, chat, now mate. Simon, fun. <laughs> uh Simon, Simon, uh, the Western Force did announce sort of early in the season, around March, that Tim Sampson wasn't going to be renewed for his contract and would finish up at the end of the season. That's a massive announcement to make for any team, particularly so early on in the season, um, when you're only sort of like three or four weeks into the new comp. What effect do you think this had on the overall performance of the Western Force in 2022?
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? Um, you know, if they were planning to to move on from him, I don't think it really added any benefit to say it so early in the season, you know, and let everyone know that, you know, we've, we've replaced you. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the Force started kind of okay, but I do recall straight after that uh, announcement that they kind of had a couple of Floppy games, I mm. think. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah, we had the, the yeah the Crusaders smashed us fifty three to fifteen. The Highlanders sixty one to ten. The Chiefs fifty four to twenty one. Um, but obviously, as you said, you know, we came back towards the end. But um, I'm, not, I'm not too sure exactly what was going on in the camp. Um, but it, it just doesn't seem like a, a bright idea to you know. Put that
3: out there so early make that decision and i guess you can sort of see that the the players were definitely playing for samson in that final performance yeah that that game over the hurricanes was good like it was a very good performance by the western force and probably their best all year we've we've highlighted it as our best performance of the season um one of the things and i'll throw this question to you That season opener against the Brumbies, and I've now said that forbidden name, but that season opener, the Western Force played very wide and very expansive. They threw the ball around a lot. Their backs were finding a lot of space. That's not something that we saw replicated much more throughout 2022. What do you Mm. think might have been the reasons why they started to be a bit more conservative? I think partly it's because it's what the fear of
1: um, losing can do to teams is that they're they're set, they players second guess themselves and are not willing to take as many half chances as they have before. So players will conservatively instead of looking for that um, that push pass or backing themselves with a piece of skill, they'll be more willing to take a take a hit up and then try and recycle the ball for the next play. Um, I think it's yeah just just the pressure that losing places upon a team, especially when the force were playing back at home, covid was less of a concern or less of an impact upon their season and so they had more of an opportunity to play in front of a home crowd i just think that when you combine all those things together with a fairly young and inexperienced squad as well at the time um it was
3: a challenging situation to find themselves in mm. um yeah so i'm sorry simon you about to say something
2: oh no i was just agreeing i mean i think the force of kind of had two groups of players, ones that are just coming into the scene and ones that are just on their way out. And, um, I think, you know, you're probably going to find this inconsistency when you're looking at players who are young and are still getting used to super rugby or, uh, gelling with the team. And I think if you have these players who are, I guess the journeyman as they've always been, uh, described, they're probably going to be a bit inconsistent because they can't quite put in the same performance every week. So I, I, would probably suggest that was something to do with it. I'm not too sure.
3: That uh, that leads us nicely into our next slide. So we will um we'll run through the squad for 2023, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about the the ins and the outs, all the signings and the departures. So the overall squad um, in the forwards for the props, we've got Agnes Wagner, Bo Abra, Charlie Hancock, Santiago Madrano, Tom Robertson, C O C- Cifa Amone and Andrew Romano. Um, Andrew, why don't you run us through the hookers and the locks? Uh, so, hookers, Feliti Kaitou, Falafi
1: Inga, and Jack Winchester. The locks are Felix Kalapu, Isaac Rotter, Jeremy Williams, Ryan McCauley, and Will Sankey. Uh, and then we're in the uh, back row. assume that's me
2: on the back row. Right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, you go right. through the back row. I, you... <laughs> I don't know. I thought we take a chance. No, you,
3: oh, yeah, you go quite, great, mate. I thought you jumped out of your seat. For We've a second. got
2: uh, Jason Pugh, uh, Ken Koteca, Michael Wells, Ollie Callan, Tim Ansey, and Ned Slacksmith.
3: All right. Now, looking at this forward pack, what, what are the, who are the names that jump out to you? Who, who? See, are you you really first. excited to see where that, um, that blue, that Western Force blue in twenty. Uh,
2: I'll tell you who I'm not excited to see is Flower Gar I saw that you had that. Uh, down as a biggest gain is that meant to be biggest gain for the brumbies uh getting rid of him or (laughs) just a little bit confused about that one um no i'm excited to see um you know tim mancy coming in again i think his uh transition to sevens is from sevens to the 15s game has been quite strong and i think he's been building consistently every year so i'm excited to see how he goes um jackson Pugh. um Obviously, he was over at the Bunnings NPC playing for Auckland and um, playing number eight for them quite consistently and having some really good game time over there. And uh, there's been a little bit of media about his time over there and how he's expecting to come in. Um, obviously, um, with our front row, Santiago Madrano and Tom Robertson, uh, always exciting. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens this year with Felipe Kato, because, um, you know, obviously he kind of shot to a little bit of stardom um, when he initially came out of the scene and was selected in Rennie's squad. Uh, I believe he was holding on to a little bit of an injury last year, so that's why his yeah. game time was a bit inconsistent. So I, w- I would love to see a really good year from him. Obviously, with the Wallabies, the poker position is still somewhat open. I mean, obviously, Pareki is the incumbent, but they're a new coach in town. And so, you know, we could see um, a few players that we aren't expecting to uh get promoted up to the national team so
3: now Simon 2022 the captain was Fleety Kai too uh under i guess what we we assume at the moment that Flau Fainga possibly comes in don't want to say he's more favored than Kai but he does he's he's one of the starting uh hookers for the wallabies so you'd think he might get the nod over Kai to start particularly his first few rounds Who are we thinking in terms of leadership might take that captain's armband in
0: 2023?
2: Um, I'm, it'd be interesting to see what happens with it. Obviously, you know, reflective with the wallabies, it's a new coaching, uh, set up, a new coach coming in. and, And as a result, some things are going to change. Um, I'd really like to see the Western force start kind of looking towards the future. Um, obviously with Michael Wells coming in, he was the rebels captain last year. Was he not? Yep yeah so, I mean we do have some experience coming in but I wouldn't want to see Michael Wells you know receive it because obviously um you know he's kind of on the way out so I would like to see some of someone younger maybe a Tim Anstey um or uh,
3: Isaac Roder
2: yeah oh, so of course of course, Isaac Roder uh, I think would be a really good fit for that as well um definitely the players who are going to be 80 minute players as we said with the Wallabies so uh yeah, this couple that will be interesting to see what they do.
3: Fantastic. Well, let's move through the back line for 2023. And there's some names in here that really do excite me. And that's one uh, one team in Australian Super Rug that I'm really looking forward to see play is the the force backs. So scrum halves, we've got Ian Pryor, Isaac Fines, Lelia Wasa, and Henry Robertson. In the fly halves, we've got Rejan, Pasatoa, Hamish Stewart, and Bryce Hegarty. Um, Samu, I'll get you to finish off in the centers and the outside backs. Sweet Bailey Kunzel, yeah, so Grace Makara. Oh, sorry.
1: No, you do the outsides. I, I, uh, Bailey Kunzel, Grace Makara, George <laughs> Pullman, and Oliver Cummins. Over to you. Uh,
2: Chase Tiatia for outside backs. Daniel Allah, Jake Strawn, Manasa Mataeli, Tony Pulu, Ristapine, and Rupeni Mataeli, who I believe is the younger brother of Manasa.
3: How good's that? Getting to like Fiji international play as well. I mean, I don't know if Rupeni is an international player yet, but he's got that potential. Um, Playing for the Western Force, that's only going to do good things. Now, there's a lot of firepower in this back row. There is a lot of uh, names there that will struggle to get minutes. Who are we thinking is potentially going to start in that first round, round one, in the uh, number 10 jersey? Um, Well, Ristron Passatoa
1: is still injured, so it won't be him. Um, So that one is a pretty obvious shout. I think from there, you either go – you have to ask the question of whether they'll move Bailey Kunzel in 1 to 10. He's played there for the Brumbies, um, deputising when uh, Noah Lillacy was injured, and he actually did quite a good shift Mm -hmm. there during Super Rugby AU, I believe it was. Um, So they could look at moving Bailey Kunzel in. That would move Hamish Stewart maybe out to 12, um, considering Hamish played there for um, the Reds for a very long time. But at the same time, okay. Hamish Stewart does have a background at playing ten, so I personally would love to see Hamish Stewart at ten. Um, I think that'd be great. And then Bailey Kunzel stays at twelve with um, somebody like maybe a George Pullman um, or another outside back that has. Sorry, another um, inside back that's come over is who is it? Spinks as well. Sam Spinks from Wasps. Yep. Yeah um i'd love to see him maybe give an option because he's meant to have some good shouts coming from wasps over in the premiership
2: yeah he was uh an england under 20s uh center and he's been signed on a two-year deal so you know it's not one of those little band-aids where he's in for one season so hopefully there is an opportunity to build upon that
1: yep yep simon what do you what do you think for outside backs who do you think are going to be the starting outside backs
2: well, you know, there's a number of options they could go with. It could be very easily Manassa Martelli on one wing, Chase Tiertia on the other, and then they could go with Jake because, you know, although he didn't light the fire, uh, world on fire last season, I think Strawn did absolutely nothing wrong and was quite consistently um consistent at uh doing doing the right thing. So that would probably be my bet. I mean, I don't know uh Rupani Martelli. So he could be an absolute gun and we could just have Martelli's on both wings and then Tiertia at the back. But uh I think it's quite quite exciting. Uh, obviously, Tony Pulu did make the uh, Wallabies shortlist last year on some good form, but then I think he got injured towards the end. So he was playing quite well last year as well. Um, the, the back line is actually quite uh, quite exciting, and uh, we, we really don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, you could see, um, sorry, going back to the, the flyoff position, but mm-hmm. Bryce Hegarty was playing 10 quite a bit when um, James O'Connor was injured with Hamish Stewart at 12. So they do already have... I guess a bit of cohesion and familiarity, uh, and obviously Hamish Stewart has been playing twelve um, for years at the Reds, and uh, he was playing twelve for the Aussie A's as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so there are some um, options that could go around. Um, you you essentially have four people who could play ten.
3: Yeah, so and that's my
2: guess is as good as yours. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I was going to say that's one thing about this four squad this year and that um, that's one thing that came out of my chat with Isaac Rodder um, was that there is such a uh competition for spots, which is such a great thing for such a young squad. And what it means is, and what he was saying in preseason up to that point already, that both Hamish Stewart, Bryce Hegarty, some of the other players, they were all swapping in and out and playing center, playing wing, playing fullback. Like Bryce Hegarty is, can really play. Other than maybe nine and he could at a pinch, could play anywhere in that back line quite convincingly. So um you have options there, which is really exciting. And while some of the names on here are up and coming players, which may not start to sort of become household names for another season or two, they're surrounded by players like Chase Tia Tia and uh Tony Pulu, um, which will give them that experience. And this is this is probably the the hallmark of this year is that there's a new coach coming in, Simon Cron most likely will bring a different style of play than what the Western Force played last year under Samson. Um, who knows exactly what that is at this stage? We haven't seen anything from them. Um, they did play what one or two Japanese games at the end of last year, but really did Kron have a whole lot of say over that? And they weren't televised sort of either. So we can't
1: even see how yeah. the players
3: matched up or the positioning. It was really frustrating that's right so when this back line does get some of that cohesive element and we can get some of those combinations together and to start to know how each other play like the back end of super rugby this year i i expect big things from the force because i think once these guys start firing they're going to be really hard to stop
2: yeah absolutely i think um once they build some combinations and put everything together it's going to be a very exciting team, and I think throughout the squad there are a lot of good players from one to fifteen, uh, and actually a bit of depth this year. Um, and as you said, a lot of people who are actually up and coming, so we could see some some future stars being born for uh, the twenty seven World Cup.
3: Well, let's keep moving along then, and we'll uh, we'll go into our oh, let me go through. So our signings and our departures. Now I do apologise if this font is a little bit hard to read. There's just so many names on both lists so i'll um I'll run us through the signing, so the biggest one is Simon Cron's coming in as the coach uh, again, as we said in the last slide. still to be seen what uh, which sort of style of play he wants for his Western force team, but from the time that he's had in Japan. Uh, I think he was with Verblitz um, under Steve Hansen, so what the the coach, the learnings that he take from that experience and bring it back to super Rugby we know he was the forwards coach for the New South Wales Waratahs for a number of years as well. So he does know some of these players. He does know the Australian system. Um, it's, it's a good signing in my books for what we can expect um, a, a coach to come in and have a, a big impact. So I'll run through this. We've got Chase Tia, Bryce Hegarty, Henry Robertson, Falafat Inga'a, Jeremy Williams, which technically uh, he did come in and play some minutes last year for the force, but he was a mid-season, uh, Sorry, was a my- mid-season signing. Uh mid, I've just muted you there, Endo. All good. Um uh, Michael Wells coming across from the Rebels, uh Sifa Amone, George Pullman, Andrew Romano, uh Rupene Matteelli, Ned Slacksmith, uh Felix Kalapu, Charlie Hancock, Jackson Pugh, Oliver Cummings, and Sam Spink. Now, before we get into the departures, Simon, which of the names on that list are you most excited about?
2: Well, I think Chase Tier is obviously quite an electric player um, and him coming into the team will obviously uh, bolster the outside backs. Um, I'd probably say Sam Spinks. I don't really know that much about him. And, you know, under 20s uh, centre for England, he's on a two-year deal. So there is an opportunity for a little bit of continuity from this year to the next year. And uh, other than kind of the inside centre position, we haven't really got an out out and outside centre. So if he could potentially take that position, that would be really exciting to see. Um, other than that, I'd say, um, I mean, it's Simon Cron. I'm very excited to see what he does with the
3: team. And uh, anyone here that you're really looking forward to seeing play in the, uh, Western force blue. Look, I am just gonna say that massive crash bang
1: was uh my dog falling off the couch into the sliding doors behind me. So well done. It was he was asleep and just took a stack when he rolled over. So good good chat. <laughs> um and then, then he let rip as he did that. So it's horrible in here right now. it. So um <laughs> the players that I am incredibly excited to see is like was mentioned before, Chase Tia Um he for me is somebody who would be really, really Exciting as the starting 15. I think that's one of the things that I'm. Um the The force of Lacked in the last couple of years is a consistent fifteen. I thought Jake Strawn did decently when he got some consistent minutes within that position, but he's not a game breaker. He's a decent finisher, got a decent boot on him as well. Um, but he's not something that's going to someone that's going to change the complexion of a match or w- win a, win a game for you off his own brilliance. Whereas um, we saw a lot of that with Chase Tete last season. So it's very very exciting that he's made that move, um, and also, I'm interested to see how Michael Wells goes. I'm not sure of the amount of time that he's going to get, but I mean, the force of Lost to Stander, who was one of the key number eights for the last couple of years for them. So I wonder if Wells is going to be that um, experienced workhorse replacement for Brendan Stander.
3: Well, uh, two players that I'm really looking forward to seeing play and, and potentially from a Wallabies perspective. So Flower Fanger. Now, I know, Simon, you're a bit... Uh, gr- th- grin through gritted teeth when we when you say that name, but I think a move is good for, uh, for Lau. I think one of the, he does have talent. He does have immense potential. We, he has got himself into that sort of backup hooking spot for the Wallabies this year and throws a few dodgy lineouts and potentially costs us a few games. But realistically, I think moving away from the setup, the Brumbies where he's been for a few years, moving out west it's only going to do good for him having a new set of coaches a new bunch of teammates around him um and sort of new beaches in uh west in in west australia and perth and and that sort of thing so it'll be great to see if he can really sort of harness this this change and and channel that and have a really strong super rugby season to to kind of put his name back into the the wallabies books and see if he can um get himself back up there and and have a good Impact. The other name I'm really excited about uh, is Bryce Hegarty. Now, he is getting on and he is a bit of an older player, but one of the things about Bryce Hegarty, and I, I, I mean this as a compliment and I don't mean this as an insult, but in some ways, he's a bit of a poor man's Reese Hodge in that he's the kind of player, maybe he's not going to kick you a penalty from halfway and win you a game, but he's going to be able to play consistently anywhere in that back line. And when injuries start to come mid season or late in the season, He's experienced, he's played with the Waratahs, he's played with the Reds, he's played over for Leicester or or Leinster, I can't remember which one it was, uh, in the English Premiership. So he's a player that's really going to have a good um, impact on the players around him, particularly some of the younger players who are coming in and this is their first crack at Super Rugby or they're still sort of learning to to trust in the players around them. So having his experience there is going to be really, um, really good and I think he's going to sort of lift that back line around him. I'm also uh, really keen to see, uh, I'm just shooting through the name. I can't see it now. Um, is it on there? Hamish Stewart? Have we got that.
0: Uh, oh, no, we got Hamish Stewart. Not, is that not listed
3: on Hamish
1: there? Hamish Stewart is not listed on there, but he is there. How he's strange. There.
3: Now, I have, I will admit, I did copy these straight from the RA website. So... Do better there, fellas. Um. Anyway, no. Hamish Stewart's another player that I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, in for the Western Force this year. I think, uh, he's a player that has sort of been on the peripheral of the Wallaby squad for a few years now. Um, and whether that comes down to just combinations and not having that exposure to be able to play with some of the Wallabies players that are getting picked. Um, if he has a really big season for the Force and can put himself into good contention, particularly as a fly half, I think he might be able to crack. The squad maybe not this year but maybe in the next few years which is really good um let's go through the departures and do you want to quickly run through those for us yeah sweet greg holmes jeremy thrush richard kahui Brendan stander
1: Carl godwin fergus lee warner andrew reddy brad Lacey, byron ralston jack mcgregor jack jake mcintyre michael mcdonald sidalecki tamani harry lloyd jackson pew
3: now the thing that really jumps out to me in this list is just the amount of experience that the force are losing with these players Now, they're not necessarily world-class international players at the peak anymore. Some of these players will be retiring. Some of these players will be going off for that last paycheck in Japan. But the amount of Super Rugby experience or international, depending on uh, which one they are, is going to be a massive out for the Western Force. Um, Simon, when you read through this list, does it sort of make you uh, a little bit... Sort of just wish that maybe you could have kept one or two of these players for another season just to sort of keep that cohesion across the, the coming season.
2: Well I think you guys already know if there was one player that I wish the Force had held on to would have been Fergus <laughs> Lee Warner. Yeah. Um who was an absolute weapon last year and, and the year before that. Um, you know, I think I'll probably be echoing every Force fan when I say he he definitely deserved a look in at the Wallabies. Um so, you know. Good riddance ready? No. I, love, I love pressure, <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, but yeah, firstly, Warner is going to definitely be a big hole um, in, in the force. Um, I would have would definitely put him down as what I would nominate for captain when you asked me earlier who I would have um, suggested as captain. I, yeah. I would put him through for that one. Yeah, that's a good shot. Uh, obviously, obviously he's gone. Um, I do just want to comment real quick on your departures. You have Jackson Pugh as departures, but yeah, you also have Jackson not. Pugh as signings. He that's is signed for this year. Um,
3: yeah again um, and... I'll throw that I'll throw that to RA but that could just be my uh, my dodgy copy paste job there so who knows what <laughs> Yeah <happened. laughs> it probably is he's definitely say Godwin on that as well. Well.
2: Yeah um Godwin as well is is a dig, big loss um he was I guess our only international um back opposite well, much last year as well um and and wealth of experience and he was captaining um side as well when Katu uh was carrying that injury for a while so you know, that is, is um, another quite large run, loss. I believe Jeremy Thrush has moved into uh, the Ford's coaching role. Um, so he's still still around the force. Oh, he was um, coaching
3: with the Super W, I think, or the juniors. He's, he's around in some coaching. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. in some, some – uh, he's not quite lost to West Australian rugby, so he's still involved uh, in a way. And obviously, Richard Kahui is the biggest loss because who are uh, thirsty mums going to look at now?
3: And Ando's dads. like still crying. Yeah, yeah that's crying. true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now well, I'm going to put real. my uh, my Waratahs hat on here and and uh, I don't think we can get through a pod without doing that. And one, one player that I'm really disappointed to see leave the Western Force is uh, Andrew Reddy. And purely from a Waratahs perspective, if there's one <laughs> player that you can expect to come on and give away a dumb red card, he's that player. So it's unfortunate that we now don't have that kind of red hot magnet that we can just go to and if, sort of, if just I may interrupt real specific. quick,
2: um, we got rid of Andrew Reddy, who is a hooker who does something dumb and we replaced him with flower Funga who is a hooker who loves to do dumb things. So don't worry. There'll be some <laughs> neck rolls out there. but um, no, I do say it in jest. I do believe Funga is a good signing. Um, but he is just prone to a brain fart at times. Um, And so I really do hope that what you're saying will occur that he can kind of just get a new environment and it might, uh, might do some
3: good for him. And anyone that's really jumping out to you is a big loss for the force. Um, I think Fergus Lee Warner earlier in the season
1: was was the massive loss. Um, He was definitely pushing for Wallaby selection or at least to be in in the Wallaby squad. Um, And he was far and away the best forward within that team, hands down, absolutely no doubt about it. And his move to England has gone pretty poorly because he went to Worcester Mm. who have gone into administration and have now been kicked out and he's now had to move to Bath on what was probably a cut price deal because um, he just needed to take any job over there as what he could do. So, um, look, I think that he will be a massive, massive loss. Um, and I also, I'm kind of disappointed that Byron Ralston's gone as well, because I always rated him. I thought he was a really <clears throat> exciting outside back. Uh, so, for him to be going over to yep. Connect, I'm pretty worried that this is going to be another situation where a decent Australian outside back goes over to Ireland goes through their development system and then either finds an Irish grandparent somehow, um, or waits a few years until he's eligible. So well, he's, look,
3: he's already like, he signed knowing that he was eligible, right? Like I think oh, that he was, did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, that was known. So uh, yeah, the, he was a player that I was highlighting too, like for the Wallabies and for rugby Australia, specifically like the wider Australian rugby, he's a player that had great potential and would have done mm. good things if we were able to keep him. Um, I hope he's not another Mac Hanson that goes over there and, and ends up like having a, a cracking season, gets selected, and is now potentially going to play a World Cup against Australia.
2: Yeah, honestly, there's a lot of players in that departure list that I could go through one by one and say you know, that that is a lot of experience and a lot of young, exciting talent. Uh, I think Jack McGregor as well is another one who's uh, an exciting young outside back. Um, and I think he played a little bit of 10 at times. Um yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of exciting young people who have left and then a lot of uh, old heads as well that have left.
3: So. I just want to highlight for those people out there who just continually say online in forums and chat rooms and whatever that Australian rugby doesn't have the depth for five super rugby teams. Look at this. We may not have... We have definitely have the depth. We may not have the coin to keep these players, but there's so many players on this list who if we could keep, would do massive things for Australian rugby so I don't I don't buy that that it's a depth issue I think it's more of an affordability issue all right let's uh let's keep moving on so let's uh let's go into our most valuable players or our MVps for 2023 now Simon, you're the resident Western force fan who are you going to highlight as the most valuable player for your season this year
2: um you know I'd probably say for me Isaac Rodder um he's probably the only one that we've fully expect to uh, make it into the Wallaby squad, uh, besides Flower Fogar as well. Um, But, you know, Rodder is just very reliable. He plays 80 minutes. He's a workhorse. He runs the line out. Um, He carries well. He has really good ruck attendance. Um, He's really just going to be the engine room for the Western Force, and I think he's going to do a lot of work that uh, goes unsung. But don't worry, Rodder. I I see you. I recognize you. We love you.
1: (laughs) Andy. Um, I would have said Isaac Rodder as well, but just to provide something different. I think that Mattielli continues to be the game breaker for the force in 2023. He was their point of difference last year and he is the player who can create something from nothing, put in a big hit, beat a couple of players on the way to the line. He is just somebody who provides that strike power out wide that the team had been missing previously. So in the forwards, Isaac Rotter, without a shadow of a doubt, brings that experience and grunts mm-hmm. are needed. But from the backs, it's Manassa Mateeli in terms of his sheer capacity to score tries.
3: Yeah, so the other two players, for those that are listening on the podcast, we've highlighted here, we've got Hamish Stewart and Isaac Fiennes, Lili Wasa. Now, with Isaac Fiennes, what? how long is he out for with that injury? Like, when is he expected back?
1: I'm not sure. We'd have to ask the draft rugby boys for their injury ward update about that okay. one.
3: Okay, all good. Well, he, when he gets back, we know he's electric on the field, and he's another player that's got uh, like unlimited potential. So, again, hoping to get him back on the field as soon as possible. I've uh, I've put yeah. Hamish Stewart in here as well. I'll throw it back to you, Simon, in a sec. I just want to say I've, I've thrown Hamish Stewart in here as well because I think um, as a player we haven't seen the best of Hamish Stewart in Australian rugby, and and again another player like Falau Faingarau. If he's made the move west, hopefully it's going to give him a refresh, give him a bit more freedom. Play, allow him to play in that 10 spot that um, he wasn't necessarily allowed to play at Queensland. And if he can have a big season, um, he could be, he could end up pushing himself as another option for uh, that fly half position for the Wallabies in the next few years. So, um, a lot to expect from him this season. What were you about to say, Simon?
2: I was going to say with Isaac Fiennes, um, it'll be very interesting to see how uh, it works with Simon Cron. Um,
3: The,
2: um, Western Force were kind of echoing the Wallabies by having that more electric nine coming on uh, towards the end that they were using Tate and Dermott to do. Uh, that kind yep. of, once the game opens up, can really challenge and snipe. Um, so it'll be really interesting. Um, Ian Pryor, I think, you know, awesome, lovely guy, but uh, I think he's starting to get a little bit slower from his ruck to ruck. So I would expect Isaac Fines to be uh, starting to cement the number nine uh, starting role uh, this mm-hmm. year.
3: Fantastic. Anything else on these uh, most valuable players before we move to our predictions for the season? No, I'm good. Let's go. No questions. Cool. So our season predictions for the Western Force in 2023. Now we'll go through the the strengths that we can highlight, the weaknesses that we might be able to identify, and then where we think they'll finish. Um, Simon no doubt thinks that they'll finish first. So um, we'll... We'll go to you first, Simon. <laughs> what do you think in terms of strengths? Where What are you highlighting as a strength for the Western Force this season?
2: Um, I'd say a good point of uh, strength is obviously the, the added depth. Um, I'd say the back row is actually something that's very exciting. I pointed to it before, but Jackson Q, Ken Koteca, Michael Wells, Ollie Callan, Tim Anstey, these are all all players who have shown that they get quite capable. Um. I think the Western Force, uh, we are always tenacious, it's just in our nature. Um, and I'm really hoping that we, we uh, can utilize some of the new talent coming in and, and really click quickly. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens with Simon Kron um, and the way he wants to play, why he wants to attack. Obviously everything we're saying right now is very spe- speculative. We really don't know what position people are going to be in. We really don't know what style of play they're going to be putting together. Uh, but I'm liking that they are starting to put a little bit more into the youth and develop for the future um, after a few years of kind of having a few journeymen coming in just as a band-aid whilst they're trying to re-establish themselves. Uh, another thing I'm really excited about is the fact that um, they seem to be working the academy and there is a few academy people who have gotten through. Um, so hopefully we can continue to develop talent here because that's, uh, that's what we want. We want locally grown talent.
3: Fantastic. Ando, what are your thoughts around some strengths for the Western Force? Yeah, look, I think that a lot of the players they've brought in are
1: really good quality, um, particularly some of the more experienced ones like your Hegarty, your Fighting Gar, um, Hamish Stewart. They they are all good players. Chase tier, tier as well. Um, they, in their own ways, are really good players. And that strength is also, unfortunately, a negative. And what it actually shows is the huge amount of turnover that there has been between 2022 and 2023. And um, if I was a kind of like a diehard Force fan, I'd be really concerned about that because it's showing that we're not able to have that core level of continuity between seasons with large amounts of outs and ins. And um, do you mind if I just jump onto a weakness that comes from that? Yep. Cool. So when you actually go into the, um, yeah, if you actually go into the experience of their props, you have um, basically outside of Madrano Robertson. And yeah, Kai two as a hooker and Faanga you have twenty nine zero 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 caps, super rugby caps for the other available props and hookers. so if you have an injury to one of your front um one of your starting props or your starting hooker, it means you're having an uncapped player or an incredibly uh, a very raw player coming onto the bench as a result of that. And so I just think that over the course of a long and pretty brutal Super Rugby season, the Force are going to struggle with their front three um, and that might be a place where they come undone against some of the strongest scrummaging teams.
3: Well, I'll say their, um, their depth in centres is one thing that I'm really excited about and we spoke about it earlier just when we went through the, the squad, the amount of talent they have listed on paper for those positions and there's only two of them on the field, two centres. So they have the ability to swap and change, and to change combinations, and to bring in players that will change the way they play their game, which is, I think, I think is a is a really positive um, thing to move forward. One thing that Simon Crom might need to start doing, like you said, Ando, is get some of those experienced centers to start packing down a tight head or. Or loose head and, and pushing the scrum and given an impact there to sort of balanced out the the inexperienced front row with the experienced back line maybe
1: maybe just for that, but either way it's going to be a challenge and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they come up against it they if they can keep um, the core of this team together for the next couple of seasons they're going to be really good, but the question is whether or not people will be willing to stay on beyond a one season deal. We know with flower guy he's gone at the end of the season. He's off to Clement. And so I actually personally don't think he should be getting much game time at all as a starter. If Kytu is fit, you start Kaitu because he's going to be the one that you're going to be able to build a front row around moving forward.
3: Yeah. And so one of the other things that I'm interested to see is we've got a new coach. We don't know what that best 23 or even that best 15 at the moment looks like for the force. And that's one thing that I think will be a bit of a, a weakness for this team in 2023 is that they're going to be taking so many uh, risks or opportunities to test combinations throughout the season. And Super Rugby, as we've spoken about previously, it's a sprint, it's not a marathon. You can't afford to miss a game. You drop one or two games like last season and you're all, all already out of the running for the finals. So um, if they if they don't, aren't able to lock down their centre combinations or their outside backs the the starting ones that they know that they can trust on and rely on quickly in the season, and they have to continue to change and chop and to sort of see who's going to fit the new way that Simon Cron is going to play his game in 2023, that they may be a bit of a work in progress this season and may not start to bear fruit from that until 2024 or 2025. What are your thoughts around that, Simon?
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying. I also... You know, I just think we haven't quite touched on uh, Rajan Pasatoa being out uh, for, I think, majority of the season, and he yeah. was looking really promising um, last year. So I think even whatever they do manage to build this year, what's going to happen next year uh, when he's coming back into the fold, um, hopefully they can stick a, a center combo together. Um, but it is it is all up in the air. There's... Uh, there's a lot of different fifteens that we could put down for the western force that we could all argue for reasonably um, so yeah I'm, I'm i'm just really excited to see um, i think we've got a couple of trial games coming up soon i'll be down yep. uh, on the on the hill at mcgraw gilvray oval You've got the reds uh, i think
3: coming over soon right
2: I and then the Truer it away is the reds isn't it yeah or is it yeah. the rebels playing the
3: Truer? the rebels are playing the draw they play the next oh, okay. week i think
2: yeah, so I'll I'll give you guys a report then and I'll let you know what kind of combinations they're putting together. Um I'm not sure if that game's gonna be available to be streamed or anything, but uh I, I've it's really just kinda of up in the air of what they're gonna do. Obviously yeah. um with Rodder, like you said, um like he doesn't even apparently know uh, <laughs> who the 10's ten's, ten's going to be because everyone's been shopping and changing a uh, training and all doing really well but it's it's actually it's awesome to have competition for spots mm. um, and having having these people pushing each other um, to find the best form which uh, which is really yeah. exciting
3: and that's and that's the other part of that that having that competition for spots makes all of the players better because it pushes them and you may have one or two players that have a lot of experience like Matelli, Um and he can come in and he can teach some of those younger blokes who have raw talent and skill, but may not have the experience at this super rugby level. So he can, all of them, with a constantly competing at training, it forces them to be the best they can be and make the better players even better because they know that there's a young bloke coming up behind them who is threatening to take over should they have one or two poor games. Um, let's, well, I'll go, I'll start with you, Simon. Uh, where do you see the Western Force finishing for super rugby this year?
2: there's a lot of factors, isn't there? I mean, we've got the draw and uh, Pacifica coming into the second season and uh, you know, they would have developed quite well. Um, so I'm, I'm really unsure. I mean, I think your prediction that you've got down eighth that's pretty reasonable. Um, but you know, there's actually quite a lot of quality teams out there and with such a big overturn in their players, um, you know, we, we uh, love to spout cohesion and uh, they're not going to have any cohesion really. So,
3: Oh, he's, well, he's just cut Endo, off there. You take over.
2: <laughs> um, I think what he's going to be saying
1: is they're going to be on the cusp of that eighth or ninth spot and it just depends how their players are going to be able to chill. And so my, my prediction is that they scrape into eighth and then get knocked out in the quarterfinal um in the first round of the finals or if they're lucky apologies i think i, I dropped out you just, <laughs> and I they finished just jumped thought. in
3: over the top of you but you <laughs> um you keep going simon you keep saying what you finished off what you were saying
2: i don't even know where i was at um but uh yeah a lot, a lot of a lot of uh overturn um yeah, within the squad so they're not going to have much cohesion um the people that you'd probably be expecting to be the bottom uh would be you know your your rebels um your druo highlanders pacifica and the force as to what order they are in and who's making the finals it's really it's really up in the air at the moment i mean i'm expecting some big seasons from uh some of the other teams uh the drawer obviously i'm expecting some some big things obviously it's not a preview about the drawer but um i think i think this bottom um kind of Section of the teams, it's really it's gonna it's gonna be tough. There are, there, I think it's gonna be a lot of clawing back and forth between teams, pushing themselves up and down.
3: Yeah, and when I um, when I look at the when I start to sort of name or write down the order that I think teams will finish on in twenty twenty three, it that last eighth spot, there's like pretty much anyone could. We got the Force, as you said, Force Rebels, drua Pacifica. Highlanders, like five or six teams that depending on how they go throughout the season will be fighting for that position for that playoff. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting season. It will. I, I personally think it'll come down to the draw and whether you can bag your home wins and not uh, not get pumped by too much and give away bonus points when you're playing away. And if the force can do that, if they can get all of their wins at home or most of their wins at home, and not give away any bonus points when they're away from home. I think they're going to do enough to drag to to sneak into the finals in eighth place. Uh, once they get into the quarterfinals, though, do they have the team to to sort of play through and to to get to that next round to the semifinals? I'm not too sure. Um, again, the sort of the whole thing is this season, new coach. They have the talent. They do yeah. have the talent. It comes down to injuries they pick up throughout the season and if they can gel in enough time to be a really cohesive unit and push uh, those New Zealand teams. One thing that does excite me about Simon Cron, he is a Kiwi himself. He has just been over working with Steve Hansen, so he comes with knowledge of how the Kiwi setup is, what he needs to do to beat the Kiwis. Let's hope that he can have that impact on the Western force and get them through to the quarterfinals this year. All right. Um, Anything else that we wanted to say about the Western Force before we finish up our preview? No, I'm done, my friend. I
1: thought... Um, I'm really excited to see how they go this season. I'm not not sure 2023 is going to be their season. Um, I still think that these players need 12 months together in the competition to actually be able to compete against a lot of the top teams. Uh, So 2024, if they're able to keep their players together, their squad mostly together, will be an opportunity for them to really demonstrate Um, or put together some consistent performances and wins both at home and away. So hopefully they have some good results this year whilst keeping the squad together for next year.
3: Yeah, I don't feel as um, hard on them as I think you do, Ando. I think they have talent on paper to put in some good performances. And I I think uh, playing back in Perth and and getting the sea of blue, and and, I mean, Simon's going to be there at every home game screaming for them. So if that's not enough to get a team over the line, I don't know what is. And I'm just really excited to see players like Hamish Stewart, um, Flaufa and Gara like put in big performances in 2023, push for Wallaby selection, and um, well, I mean, Bangar, who knows? He's he's off to Clermont next year, but he still has a World Cup where he can be picked. So if these guys can have big seasons. I'm I think that we can expect some uh, some big games from the Western Force. And I don't think it's as dire as you might be thinking. Ando Simon, what are your <laughs> overall thoughts and then we'll uh, finish up i think
2: the final thing i just want to say is that uh the western force or the sea of blue in general we're passionate and
3: we're just happy to be here (laughs) (laughs) well said Uh, well said all right well that um that finishes up our western force preview for this week thanks everyone for getting to this point of the podcast we will be back next week i think next week may be the waratahs so we have an interview with Jason Gilmore, which will be out on Monday. And then we will do our preview, uh, which will come out on Wednesday. So do tune into that. This one's gone for about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, That means the Waratahs one will probably go for four hours. So I'll I'll apologize in advance. (laughs) Very excited. Well,
1: it's been good, boys. Thank you so much for your time. Hope you all have a wonderful week and we will catch
3: you later. Bye. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
2: Bye.